Morning, Ken. How are y'all doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. It's fall, which means in San Antonio, it's down to 91. Super excited about this cool weather. Around the world, they would swelter under this heat, but not us. We reserved that for 110. So um, thankful that you're here. Um, this is James part two today. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to Mission Church, welcome. Uh, we're so glad you're here. How we teach the Bible is just verse by verse, word by word, through books. Um, we do that because that's how they were written. And so we want to give you the totality of a book that was uh, written by God through men led by his Holy Spirit. We believe that the Bible is the infallible, perfect, and unadulterated word of God. Uh, we believe that the gospel is your only hope of salvation. It's only through Jesus Christ. It's not through your works. Works will show who you are as a believer, but they are not what saves you. Jesus Christ saves you. So for the abused, for the abuser, for those that have been treated horribly, for those who have treated people horribly, the hope is found in nothing but Jesus Christ, period. He is the only way. And he says that about himself. So when we have friends who say, well, that's your truth or that's your way of God, you must speak up in those moments and say, there is only one way to God, and his name is Jesus. And if that divides you, it divides you on the right side, okay? If your process is, that I, don't, I don't want to offend anybody, then maybe Christianity is not for you. It is offensive. In fact, as a Christian, it should offend you. It should irritate you to love and good works every day. James, I promise you, will do that. This is not a feel-good book. This is a get-up-and-do-something-about-it book. So um, if you look around in our church, 830, 10, 1130, we're very diverse. You look around, you see the beautiful color, the difference in dress and demographics. In some uh, of our church services, you will have dudes in tank tops and ties. Not a tie with a tank top. That would be weird. But you'll have guys wearing tank tops and other dudes in ties. You have uh, the full spectrum of education in our church. Some that didn't make it through high school. Others that have PhDs. You have wealth and affluence. You have those of us that don't have that much money. You have a lot of education, little education. Mission Church, we, along with many other churches, we look like what heaven's going to look like one day. Diversity is a value. We don't we're not diverse so we can say we are. We're diverse because we're called to be. We're not called to be homogenous. We're not called to be all the same. It is good for your soul and mine to be around people that see things differently than you. Now, here's my question. What is the one thing that all of our people, all of you, what is the one main thing we have in common outside of being created by God? Okay, What would be the one thing we hope we have in common? I love the fact you, you breathe the air. Okay, if I'm a scientist, of course, give me extra reasons. Um, we all suffer. We all suffer. And some of us have suffered more than others, but suffering is coming. Now, some of us had little kids. They really haven't suffered yet. Well, listen, by the grace of God, we know they will. Amen? Not, I don't want that to happen. I have, I have children. I love them. I don't want them to suffer at all. But we're going to learn from James today that there is much to learn from suffering. It's unavoidable. So we, we might as well prep for it. Now, some of y'all are preppers, and we know who you are. In fact, I know where you live. And if World War III comes, I'm coming to your house, okay? Amen. I know you're prepared. 
If you, walk, if you go around the world, you will see spiritual preparation in young people way more than in our country. Uh, in South America, in Africa, in Asia, kids become adults much younger. Why? Because they have to. And for some reason, we've given our, our youth, our young adults, permission to be boys and girls until they're 30 or older. It's ridiculous. And so as believers, we have to prepare ourselves for that which is coming anyway. It's coming. So either you can stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and go, la, 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 I'm, I'm just going to avoid it till it happens, or you can spiritually prepare yourself for the suffering that will happen. That does not pack a church, by the way, but it is the word of God. It's the truth. So we'll go to James. Pull out your Bibles right now. If you don't, if you have your phone, pull out your phone. I'm, I'm down with that too. Bring your iPad next time if you want to. Get your Bible open so you can read your scriptures. I read the scripture to you and we can learn together. It'll be James 1, 2 through 4 today. Let's pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill this room up with his presence. And uh, let's prepare our hearts to be a little irritated, a little offended in the right direction. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, uh, open our eyes that we might see. We, we are addicted, Lord, to having our own way. We have major addictions, Lord, to things that are causing suffering and anxiety. We want to walk away from those. We want to push into the truth. We want to get down on our knees more. We want to cry out to you more, Lord. We want to learn how to be mature in our suffering. Uh, we'll see from Scripture today that when we do that, there's opportunities for us to be used by you. And we want to be used. We know that when we're used by you, Lord, uh, there's just a value of life that is greater. And this is a blessing to our spouses, to our children, to people we work for, work with, uh, and lead. So open our eyes that we might see, Lord Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. James 1, 2 through 4. Here's what the brother says, James, the brother of Jesus. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. And verse 3 is interesting, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. He's saying to the church, you know this because they're in the middle of suffering. Church is getting torn apart at this time. They're getting fed to lions and ripped in half, boiled in oil. He's saying, you know that this produces endurance. Verse 4, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be what? Mature and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing for what? It's If you're lacking nothing, then you have something. Before we get to that, let me just ask this question. Does, does James have the credentials to deliver this message? Years ago, I was at a youth conference in Dallas, uh, Vody Bauckham was going to speak. If you don't know him, Google him this afternoon and just enjoy. Uh, he's a brilliant dude. Um, he, I, we went to a breakout. There was breakouts for uh, all these college and student leaders, and one was on, on sexual issues, sexual addictions. And I told four of my five guys, like, let's go to this. This is a problem. It's rampant. It's like a fire. Pornography is a fire in our country and in the world. And so I took the four dudes with me and went to this, and the speaker stood up and said, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm pastor of in a very prominent church in Dallas. And I thought, dang, this talk is going to stink. You know why? Because I knew that what he was going to do, he was going to tell us 
what we needed to do, and he wasn't going to tell us what he had done. And so there is a need today for you and I to have credentials when it comes to caring for other people. So the first one I'd want to ask right now is, does James have credentials? Has he suffered? Well, we know that his physical father, Joseph, had died. Some of us have lost our dads. That's a big deal. We also know that his brother had been crucified on a cross, completely naked, shamed, embarrassed, uh, and, and thrown in a grave. The church at that time was heavily persecuted, so more than likely, like 99.9% chance that James knew people that had been murdered, that had been taken from their family, that was in prison. Is James qualified to give this message? Yes, he is. So when he says great joy, not just some joy, not like kind of a mealy little smile, but great joy from trials, what on earth does this mean? Now, he's going to give us a system how many of y'all like systems? You like systems? Just a, really? I mean, really? The rest of y'all have not understood yet that systems are for you. I think I learned it around 52. I'm 55. So uh, I'm late to the game, but I've realized now that there's a process of certain things that serve you well, and he's going to give us a system right here. Here's what he says. I think we have a graphic. Yeah, there it is. Testing produces what? Endurance. What is, what is endurance? Endurance is the capacity to come back for more. That's what it is. Or to do a little bit more. Okay? So my children aren't in this service, so I can talk about them. When they were little, we would bribe them to make good grades. I'm just giving you solid gold now, parents that have little kids. But trust me right now. And the bribes when they were little were like, if you make an A on that test, we're going to go to Chick-fil-A. And they're like, yes. And then 13, it was like, we want sushi instead of Chick-fil-A. So it gets exp more expensive. But as they get older, they're addicted to the process of working hard for the grades they receive. Okay? Testing produces endurance. Testing produces your capacity to, to live at a higher level when stress comes. All right? So what does endurance bring? Maturity. Maturity. Is anybody interested in maturity? As a country, we need to be more interested in maturity because we just tend to emotionalize everything instead of saying, because of this situation, as a man, as a woman, this is how I'm called to respond. We teach our kids in their teenage years, because you're 17, this is how you're called to respond. This is what the Bible says. Endurance produces mature men and women. And whether you are mature or not, you want mature people around you, amen? You want, mature, you want people that know what they're doing so when an issue happens, you can lean into them and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me, please? That's what mature people do. Church, you're called to be the mature. So when our non-Christian friends, when our family, when those that we care for have issues, are struggling are working through their own endurance, what can we say? You got this. You can do this. Let me tell you about when our kid was five. Let me tell you when we had that issue. Let me help you with the problem you're facing. This is the call of the church. Now, what James says is this, through this maturity, you lack nothing. What does that mean? Well, let's go over to Romans 5. Uh, we'll see what Paul has to say about this because here's the deal. Scripture always backs up Scripture, because the Word of God does not 
denounce or discredit the word of God. It's, it's, it's like uh, it works in symmetry. When our kids would come to us and say, they would say, hey, dad, can we go swimming? I would say, what does your mother say? And when my, my wife was asked, can we go get ice cream? What does your dad say? Why? Because we are symmetrical in our leadership and our care of our children. So Paul says this. Is Paul qualified to give this message? Yes, he is. He was beat up for a living. He was shipwrecked. He was, the worst of all things, bitten by a snake, okay? He had all kinds of things happen to him. And so here's what he says. Romans 5. Affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Not You can't tell somebody you have character. Like, hey, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm full of character today. Just want to let you know. It's kind of like, how are you doing today? I'm a humble man. You can say you're humiliated. You can't say you're humble. You can't declare that truth. And proven character produces what? Hope. There it is. That's, that's, the, that's the key. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Affliction, endurance, character, hope. Let's put these two passages together. I'm all about graphs, okay? I want you to see it. This is scripture proving scripture. Testing and affliction, can we agree? Those are synonymous, okay? Don't split hairs with me. Stay with me, okay? Pretty much they're the same. When you're tested, when you have hardship happen, endurance, endurance, uh, it's a big deal. You want, you want, to, you want to run a marathon? Is anybody in here a, a scribe? to run a marathon one day? Raise your hand. Yeah, some of y'all were like, no, why would I want to do that ever? That's, yeah, that's how I feel. But if you want to run a marathon, you got to learn how to run five miles first, okay? This is the process of endurance. Um, James says maturity. Um, Paul says character. Now, I'm from the deep south, the deep, deep south, born in Columbia, South Carolina. I lived in Mississippi for a while. I have family from Charleston, South Carolina. I have an Aunt Jane Doug. And she talks like this. And I can hear her in my mind say, Tommy, do you have character? Okay? So Paul calls it character. What is character? It's attributes of a mature man or woman that has been through some hard things and has received from God the capacity to endure, the capacity to tell the truth, the capacity to be on time because it's important, the capacity when everybody's talking trash, you're the one that says, I will not do that. That's character. What does this produce? James says, it produces in you a lack of nothing. What Paul says is hope. It produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. Now, those of y'all that are new, hope is not I hope this Star Wars movie is good, or I hope this steak is hot when I just ordered in the restaurant. Hope is an actual thing that's already been done. We hope in Christ. We're not saying we hope Christ loves us. We're saying we know he's already proven he loves us. So when you hope in Christ, you anchor in Christ. So what you and I have as we suffer, as we experience this enduring call through suffering as this chips away our issues and our problems and builds in us character is we have hope. Amen? Been through some stuff, church? You have hope in Christ. Now, I visited with one of our soldiers last night, a dear friend of mine. He'll be at the next service. Um, he talks about hard things he's been through 
that he doesn't understand, and he's a different man than he was the last time I saw him. Is that easy? No, it's not easy. Most of us don't speak about the character that's been built in us with a smile. We talk about the pains and issues we've had, but somehow, through the grace of God, we've made it through. And that's, we, as Christians, your awesomeness is not what will lead people to the cross. Your brokenness will lead people to the cross. Your capacity to show that, man, I'm just barely making it to look to Jesus. That's, that's the hope that we have. That's the anchor that we have. Now, there's a spectrum with anxiety on one side and faith in Christ on the other. Here's a question I would ask. Where are you on this spectrum? Let me see if it came out on the screen. But yes, now, if any of you have uh, skills in graphic design, you can help me out. Notice that, you know, this, I did this on my laptop yesterday. Um, but I, if you ever play Pictionary with me, we will win because you will know what I draw even though it looks horrible, okay? So, yeah, on one side, anxiety. You have other side, faith in Christ, okay? So um, here's the deal. If on the dangerous end, it tends to dominate you, it tends to control you, and this is a scary place to be. Most of us have been there at some time in our lives. All of us at some time may have had some like, like I'm, I'm drowning emotionally. I can't breathe right now. What's going to happen to my child, my spouse, me, etc.? But if this is a place where you predominantly live, um, it's scary. It's scary. Um, we have men and women that are in hard situations that will receive trouble and pain and issue and internalize it and lean into anxiety and choose to take their own lives because they think there's no, they, they don't know there's hope. We have hope. This is why we have to speak up. Not in this way, but in this way. In this way. Like, come, come join me. Let's walk through this together. Now, in the middle, this is, I put changes right there that you could be anxious one day. You could be trusting in Christ one day. Circumstance dictate your response to situations. If you're more in the middle, if you're doing well, you trust in Christ. Like if you had a great meal last night, good night's sleep, and your spouse is nice to you, and your kids are high-fiving you because you're such an awesome parent, then praise God, I trust in Christ. But if it's not, then you tend to go in the other direction. Third one is this. If you trust Christ more than not, it's because of his presence and his care for you through Scripture prayer and real community, you know he is the answer regardless of circumstance. You can also know he is the answer sometimes when you are dipping into the anxious side. You know he is, Lord, help me. I'm struggling. This is why This is why the prayers of a mature Christian are never really controlled, but vocal, but emotional. Lord, I don't know. That's the prayer of a righteous man or woman. Lord, I'm not sure. Prayer of a righteous man or woman. You don't control your emotions with your creator. You just let him know what he already sees. And that's the process of you and I working it out. Um, I say that because I, I don't want you to see in today's message, well, if, you know, if, you just, if you're in prayer and you're scripture, you're going to be fine. Nah, you, 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 you may still have some strong addictions and really be loving Jesus and trying to push towards that. Uh, and that's somewhat controversial in the church, but I just tell you the truth. We, men's retreat is going to be all about that this year. I know addicts who love the Lord. I've had a heroin addict tell me once, like, hey, Pastor Tom, I just wanted you to know, like, I, f I feel the pull right now, and I'm not sure if I can 
stop it. But I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and he's using you in your ministry. And I never saw that guy again. Maybe I'll see him in heaven. Maybe he's healed right now. So I don't, I don't want to discredit or minimize what you're struggling with. I do want to say for you from an addict myself, there is hope. There is hope. And this is what community is for. This is why we push into one another. This is where endurance comes from. We struggle forward. We need people to grab our hands. We also need to grab hands. So I'm going to give you several reasons why God allows us to suffer today, why he literally calls us into this place of pain and, and struggle. If we can understand better why we are there by God's grace and his alone, we can accept the situation more readily and lean into Christ's faithfulness and everything. It's a back and forth thing, right, fellow addicts? It's a back and forth thing. It's not like, look at me, 100. Everybody needs to see my success. No, it's, it's a struggle every day. It's a struggle in marriage. It's a struggle with kids. It's a struggle with your own personal issues, problems, history. First one, trials are allowed by God to humble us. And this is, I'm going to share with you a verse. It's one of, uh, one of my dear friends, Mike Govan. He's a counseling pastor in the Valley, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, uh, combat vet. Love him. I would travel with him. I just, the brother loves Jesus in a, in a special way. Um, trials are allowed by God to humble us. Either we are humbled by God, who is loving and merciful, or by the world, which is cruel and evil. Which one do you want to be humbled by? So here, here's the passage from Matthew. It's just awesome. Please memorize it. Whoever falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will shatter him. So, Choices. Either in our suffering, me and you, we're either going to fall on the rock and let God break us into many pieces and build us back, or you're going to resist and you're going to try to handle it yourself, and one day the rock will fall on you and you'll be done. It's judgment right here. It's what it is. This is the hope that we have. This is why we share the truth of the gospel. We're telling people, be broken. Be broken. Don't lie to yourself about your wholeness. Be honest about your need to fall on the rock who is unbreakable. And we'll take all your pieces and begin to build you back in a beautiful mosaic of his reflection. And from that broken, shattered space, you then will be able to reach out to others in that same, in that same space. Number two, God allows us trials and tribulations so we can understand the zero value of worldly things. You have some, I've, had, I've had some medical and stuff happen with our children, and when something happens to one of your kids, it doesn't matter that you have a new truck. Something happens to your spouse or your own health, and tomorrow is in question. It doesn't matter you have a robust 401k. It doesn't matter that you're perfectly fit. It doesn't matter that you have a great house. It doesn't matter anymore because none of those can solve the trials and tribulations. The value of worldly things. It's not bad to have good things, y'all. It's not bad to have good things. If you're tired of your good things, then give them all away. Be that person. It's not, the worldly things are not the issue. It's your lust for them 
and your desire that this is going to fill the hole finally of the thing that I need to work through that happened as a child. If I can just have more things, then you will, you will run until the rock falls on you. To the non-believer, this is crazy talk. To the one called by Christ, this is called the gospel. It's really good news to hold on to something that can save you. Number three, trials allow the focus to be on eternity and not today. In trials, we struggle with hope for it ever being better. In Christ, we are assured from his word that it will be. I'll take assurance over potential any day. Business people, have you ever had a deal before you that just seems too good to be true? Probably is. All right? It probably is. Uh, What we're looking for is assurance. And most of the time, assurance is way more simple. And uh, the smoke and mirrors are way more grandiose. Way more, look at this and come on. And the Lord's like, come on, just take my hand. Trust me. God's not trying to impress you, church. He's 100% incredible in and of himself. He doesn't need to sell himself to you. He's called you to himself. This is what we have. Number four, trials reveal. This is a hard one. Trials reveal what we really worship, what our flesh desires. If it is a person that we have lost, we're hopeless. If it is a thing that we work so hard for, we are defeated. Um, What are you really wanting? This is where the endurance piece comes in because the lackadaisical spirit will want to take us to a place of comfort all the time. I get comfort. I love my bed. I love my air conditioner. I love my refrigerator filled with deliciousness. I love all those things. But that's for replenishment so we can go back out and do the work. That's for the call for you and I to have to others and their need that's so inwardly focused all the time on self-love and what we need and what we expect. Number five, trials show us who we love and what we're willing to say no to for the glory of God. Kids, spouse, friends, work. San Antonio worships children. Worships children. That's a problem for me. I love my children. My children are not God. I will die for them, but my children are not God. I will go to prison for them. My children are not God, and neither are your children. They are little people that have been also created in God's image that you have been called to lead and care for, not fall down at their feet and worship them. They are not the center of your family. Christ should be. And we as believers are called to say, hey, um, when my children are struggling with the center of problem, we don't re-engineer what we believe to be true. We stand under the authority of what we know is absolute truth and always has been. I've had several families, they've, kids have struggled with issues, come out as same-sex attracted or other things, and immediately they'll, they'll disregard the church. If our kids feel that way, then it must be Okay. No, that's the time when your children, if you really love them, need you to stand on the rock and reach out and grab their hand and save them, not serve them in their sin. Your spouse too. I know a number of pastors that have literally just come out and said, I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't believe that Christ is a savior anymore. And so they leave the church as apostates and their wives just follow them. I've got news for you, ladies. And husbands. Your spouse says they don't believe in the God that you trust in. You don't have to follow that person anymore. 
You follow the one that's made you. You follow the one that's made you. You hold to him together in Christ. Number six, trials teach us to value the one who stays with us, no matter if we have been the one who has suffered or we have been the one who has caused the suffering. And when we see the gift of mercy, we naturally will apply it automatically to victims. Amen? Some of y'all have been victims. I've been a victim too. Like we, we apply it to the victim. God's mercy is way greater and deeper than that. He applies it to the victimizer. He goes to the one who sinned and said, hey, if you call out to me, I won't leave you. He goes out to the one who has been sinned against, says, if you call out to me, I will not leave you. So you and I need to understand that when you suffer at your worst, the God of the ages is like, I am here. I will not leave you. I love you. I, I created you in my image before time again. We all, we all have that friend, most of us do, to where times have gotten really dark and really hard, and that person stays by you, right? How do you feel about that person in retrospect right now? They can almost do no wrong, right? Like, they're just, they were, my, my, mine is a guy named Daniel Nebus. He's in Florida. He's my friend all the way from high school. Uh, when horrible things happened in my family, and I literally was questioning everything, I had led him to Christ in high school, and he came back and led me to Christ. Because I was lost. And I knew who Jesus was, and I was trusting him, but... My whole family had exploded. I didn't know what to do. He came to where I was and he took me to dinner. He paid my rent that month. That month. He took me into his house and he cared for me. And I will be forever indebted to Daniel Nebus. I love him like a brother today. Few join us in our suffering. Some give encouraging words, but few join us. Jesus does. He doesn't leave. He is tenacious in his pursuit of you. And the reason is, is because he loves you. He agape loves you. He reaches out to you and he edifies himself in his care and love for you. Number seven, trials and suffering teach us obedience to Christ is the only way through the struggle. And this, I'm like, look, man, I almost want to sit down with you guys and just look at this together. Uh, this is trial and error, right? Like we cry, fuss, get angry, choose bitterness, and it doesn't help. It insulates you a little bit. Anger will keep you alive, by the way. Anger and bitterness will keep you alive, but it will also render you ineffective for the God you say is your Lord and Savior. He'll just mute your capacity to be used. We blame, we repeat the process. What is the result? Obedience and subservience to Christ is the only way out of the suffering pit, and I know it's a struggle. Me, too. Me too. Okay? I, I don't, I am not batting 100 on this. I just know there's something as Christians we're called to run towards together. One of my special forces friends is, I said, man, what did you learn the most when you were, um, when, you, when you did all these tours? He said, to take care of the man to the left of me and the man to the right of me. Why do people that are non-believers understand that more than the church today? We discount people all the time when they're not who we need them to be. And that is not what Christ does with you or me. For Samuel 15, 22, check it out. Most of y'all know this passage, by the way, but I don't think you see the very end. 
Listen, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey me is better than sacrifice. Well, what we say as believers to God, like, God, if you will obey me and not allow me to sacrifice, to, be, to, to, to have any affliction, I'll do all these things for you. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to tithe a lot. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. I'm going to be a good person. I'm not going to cheat on my spouse. I'm blah, 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 blah. And he says, hey, your sacrifice is cool, but to obey me is greater. To obey me. To do what I say to do. Parents, I'll give you something. It's platinum, I promise. You can trust me on this. Teach your kids when they're little to obey you immediately. Obey me right now. Obey me right now. Some of y'all are like, you don't know my kids. Yeah, I do. I have three, okay? Teach them to obey. Why? Because you love them and you care for them and you don't debate with the four-year-old or a five-year-old or six, seven, eight, nine. You don't do that. You're the parent. Those kids are not on the council. Amen? All right. So what happens with kids when you teach them to obey you, guess what happens when they meet Jesus on their own? independently of you. They know that obedience is valuable. You, don't, you, you teach a kid to debate you right now, they'll debate Christ when they meet him. Okay, you want them to obey. Here's the second part of the verse. To obey is better than sacrifice. A bunch of y'all didn't see this before. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Now, I like fat. I like fat on my brisket, wet brisket, amen, from the Lord. Prime rib. Some of y'all are like, that's gross. Sorry you feel that way. I'll take yours when we go to dinner. Fat is lifeblood, okay? Obey, better than sacrifice, and pay attention. Do you pay attention? If we're focused on our issues right here, we're not paying attention to what God is trying to teach us and to lead us in. Comprehension. God gets your suffering. He does. There is a time to mourn, okay? There is a time to be still, a time to process. I promise you, I get that. I, 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 it, there is a time for that. And then there is a time to obey and pay attention, to look up and to see. In times of suffering, after mourning and being still, we must obey God and pay attention to what he is teaching us, what God is calling us to do because of what we have suffered. The suffering, if, if it stops with you and bitterness and angerness are your pattern, it doesn't serve a purpose. I want your suffering not to be in vain. I want it to mature you, teach you endurance, and teach you the capacity through your pain to be able to go, there is hope. There's hope in Jesus. Not in me, there's hope in Jesus. Number eight, trials and suffering give us empathy and care for others who have suffered. Remember what Jesus says to Peter. And when we look at Peter, we're like, yeah, but, you know, he did all these things. Well, he walked on water. You've never done that. He's also crucified upside down when he died. You've never done that either. He also wrote First and Second Peter, which is amazing. Jesus says to Peter, who's called Simon, Simon, look out. Satan is asked to sift you like wheat, but I pray for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. You're going you're gonna to suffer. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take your breath away. And then when you, you come out of that space, you can follow me and strengthen your brothers and sisters. That is the call of the suffering. 
Number nine, last one, suffering makes us feel useless. God says it makes us strong only in him. Second Corinthians, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Christians read that verse and go, amen, awesome, but I'm, I'm not weak. These people are weak. I'm not weak. No, you just don't realize you are, and because you don't realize your weakness, you're not effective. You're just obnoxious. We don't want Christians to be obnoxious anymore. We want to be effective. Do you want to accomplish something? It comes back kind of what we've been talking about the last two weeks. Embracing complexity always makes everybody think you're busy, but you're not really getting anything done. Simplicity is much harder to hide behind in your physical, emotional, and spiritual life. Simplicity is much harder to hide behind. And, it, and it's, it's harder, but it accomplishes more. So this year was a tough one for me physically. Uh, this time last year, I was getting ready to have both my, my knees rebuilt from the bottom up. Uh, I felt pretty good at myself. I did them both at the same time. Um, I walked after four days. Physical therapist would come over and say, you need to do this. Like, I'm already doing that. Well, next week, we'll start walking on stairs. I'm already walking upstairs. What else can I do? Like, I, was, I, wanted, to, I wanted to climb the mountain and do the thing. So last year, we're at men's retreat, and after a great weekend, we stayed in this rock house that had rock stairs, and I had on CrossFit shoes, and I hate CrossFit shoes now because they're very slick outside of doing CrossFit, okay? And so I hit the stairs, and I had a cooler on my shoulder because I was fine, and I, I was recovering, and I hit the top step, and my leg went in a direction that was just rough, and my, my quad split in half. You're welcome. That's Everybody's awake now. Pastor Graydon was there. My brother down front was there, and people, and I told Graydon, I'm about to pass out. The pain was above and beyond anything I experienced, and I, I didn't. Another guy drove me home, and uh, I had just come out of recovery, and now I had to do recovery for another two months. And I had accomplished, I think, on my own recovery from the first two operations. And from the last one, then it just began to... And I remember, I remember feeling... The last week or two that I was on crutches, I Lord, I'm starting to drown a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm feeling despairing. And the reason why is because I am a provider. I like to provide. I like to provide for my family. And even though mission still had given me a job, I felt useless because I wasn't doing work every day. And I'm a protector. I'm very much a protector. My wife is a protector, and I was on crutches. I could not protect, and I was feeling just ineffective not powerful. The second part of that healing process is when the Lord just took me to different spaces. I was so aware of what I could not do. I was completely dependent on what I knew Christ was doing. I didn't know what was next. I went into failure mode every day, then come back up and pray. Anybody experience that? You're like, okay, I can do it. Then an hour you're despairing. And then you're back up, up and down. That's God's sovereign plan for us. He's on that journey with us. And recovery was very slow. And so now it's, it's every day where I hit the gym, where I get up, and I'm, I'm walking now, and I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus, for walking. And I don't think I was thanking Jesus for walking this time last year because I know I could walk on my own. Now I know I can't. So church, join me in asking the Lord to reveal your weakness your impairments, 
your issues, your problems, your fears, your anxieties, and find Christ's strength through that. That's what produces hope. Not your power, but your weakness. May God bless the study of his word today. Let's pray. Communion team, come on down. We'll call it a day. Our Lord, we thank you that your, your word doesn't return void and that you will be answered to, Lord. We either fall on you and we're broken in your presence and you rebuild us back up or you fall on us one day and we're done. And I pray that you would just quicken the hearts of people in our church right now to looking to you, the author and finisher of their faith, the beginning and the end. You're, you're not only the beginning and the end, you're the middle, Lord. You're in this space with us right now, and we're not promised tomorrow, but we are here today. And so we confess to you our sin. We ask for hearts of repentance and for the capacity to change in the presence of your power, Lord. We want to be effective in our weakness for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. Church, when you're ready, come to the middle aisle, come down front, receive the bread, which is Christ.